I didn't have anyone to turn to financially. So not only my living situation, I was like, how the heck am I going to travel abroad? And I changed my money mindset. And it was really through that, that I was able to save enough money when I graduated after two years. Someone that I went to high school with was volunteering for some organization and she saw that I was in that region and she said, oh, you should check out this country, Macedonia. I had never really heard of it. And I was like, sure, I'll go there. Everything from the culture to the price to the food, you know, how affordable it, like everything, the nature, the beaches, just the spirituality, a lot of stuff. I just really loved Thailand a lot. So I kept gravitating back towards it. Why someone should take the leap and go travel is because you just never know how you're going to be transformed or impacted on a trip. And all it takes is sometimes one trip to meet a certain person, to hear a certain story, to see a certain sight, to have a certain experience. Welcome to the Winging It Travel podcast with me, James Hammond, where every Monday I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, traveler, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. This is a casual, informative podcast designed for you to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode, where I'm joined by Sahara Rose DeVore, who is a certified wellness travel coach, author, avid traveler, speaker, and founder of the Travel Coach Network. Sahara Rose has written the book, Hey You, Just Go, which inspires people to travel. She also gave a talk to TEDx last October, can't wait to hear about that. Of course, we're going to hear about her main business of being a wellness travel coach and consultant, which spans the corporate sector and other people like us. Today, Sarah Rose has traveled to 84 countries, which is amazing. So a lot to get stuck into today. Sarah Rose, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good. Thank you, James, for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, really excited about this. Please tell the listeners where are you based right now? Yeah, well, I'm back in my hometown of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes, I've been around the globe, but I'm back to the cold and back to my hometown mm. <laughs> in the States. <laughs> Are you a Milwaukee Bucks fan? Basketball? Um, I, I, yeah, I'm not like a crazy fan, but right. I do love watching the games. I, they're a good team. Oh, yeah. Awesome team. Champions for years ago, right? So yeah. yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I found out about Milwaukee, actually, if I'm honest. I didn't know much about it before then. Yeah, I was going to say Giannis put uh, Milwaukee essentially on the map. I was in Israel one time and sitting on a rooftop in Tel Aviv and a guy from Greece was sitting next to me. And I was like, usually I say like Chicago or somewhere in northern U.S. Yeah. And he's like, I'm, I'm like Milwaukee. And he's like, Giannis. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just in Greece over Christmas and they've got all Giannis shirts everywhere. Yeah, I like heard no one that. else, Not even Michael Jordan, just Giannis. And I was speaking to a few locals <laughs> and they obviously know the yeah. Bucks because of Giannis, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, it is awesome. Okay, so early life, we're gonna get stuck into your travel bug, how you got that going. Where did you grow up early doors? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm from here and I grew up with a, um, as an only child to a single mom. And I, uh, you know, we were in a very middle-class family. My grandmother from, was from Mexico. So 
we were a very small um, family and my grandfather's side of the family was from um, the French region of Canada. And, but most of his family was scattered elsewhere. So I grew up in a smaller family. We didn't travel very much at all. Our, our version of travel was we got in the big family van and drove every summer down to the South of Texas and then over to Mexico to visit my grandmother's family who lived in Southern Texas and Mexico. My mom says we went to Canada, but I don't really, I don't really remember that one. (laughs) Um, But that was our extension of traveling when I was younger. I, it just didn't, I didn't think twice about people going abroad or all these other countries around the world until I got a little bit older. Do you know what? That's a familiar story with a lot of uh, Americans who come onto the podcast, especially about getting in the van, driving somewhere. That's quite popular thing to do. The gas in the US is so cheap compared to like Europe or here. Um, Here's not too bad, but like Australia, New Zealand, real expensive. But here in US, it just seems to be the viable thing to do at least. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit cheaper, but also the U.S. is so vast. It's Mm. such a big country and it's expensive to fly. So that's also why I traveled abroad more. And we can talk more about that than I had in the States. I didn't I haven't traveled that much of the States because it cost me like twice as much to travel within the States than to go to another country. So (laughs) um, and so, yeah, since my family didn't didn't have very much money growing up that there was no concept. My grandmother passed away a couple of years ago and she's never, she was never on a plane in her life. Like oh, wow. no one in my family flew. No one in my family traveled for business. Like no one was a traveler. Um, so I have no idea. I'm an anomaly of my family. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? We have exactly the same story. Oh, really? <laughs> my mom was a single mom growing up. I saw my dad, obviously, you know, the weekends or every weekend, whatever it was back in the day, but they have both never traveled um, on a plane only internally in UK and that'd be driving, of course, flying. You wouldn't really fly in UK because it's so small. You just drive, um, to anywhere you want to go. So yeah, we do have similar stories in terms of like, it's quite hard to work out why are we doing what we're doing now compared to what, if you actually looked at the history and looked at the family, mm-hmm. you know, even like none of my family even went to university. So like when my sister and me went, that's the first time no one ever owned anything, like very poor, like lower middle-class family. So it's very difference growing up to what it is, I guess, now for me, complete yeah. opposites. So it must be the same for you. Like, do they understand it as well? What you do? Um, no, the majority of my family don't get why I was traveling so much, but I think a lot, but that isn't just, just, just from my family. I noticed that a lot in my hometown and mm. my state, a lot of people from the States in general don't travel very much abroad at least. And so, but that never, I don't really care. I never, <laughs> I don't shape my life for other people. So, um, you know, whether my mom supported me and that's all that mattered. And she traveled quite a bit with me too. I flew out many places throughout my travel. So that's all that really mattered to me most. Yeah. Again, familiar with me. I took mum to Athens in December because I thought she needed a break <laughs> and she agreed. Yeah. So she came along for three <laughs> or four days. That's great. I'm trying to convince my dad because he's never flown, never had a passport. He's getting older now, obviously I'm trying to convince him to go abroad on a plane, but he just won't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand, you know, but it's traveling abroad, especially and traveling as much as we have, it's not for everyone. And you're essentially, you step into a different persona when you do travel. I know that when I would come home from a trip, from a long backpacking trip, I'd be like, who is that girl and how did she do it? But as soon as I packed my bag and I got back to the airport, I like snapped back into this 
persona, this character of mine, where I was this solo wander around the world where I could take care of myself and figure things out and everything like that. So it's, it's not easy and it's not for everyone, despite, you know, traveling the world sounds so desirable by so many people, but it's really not for everyone. Yeah. And I talk about this a lot in podcasts in terms of how would you get someone to maybe travel somewhere different externally, you know, abroad if you like, but I was like, try and get someone in US to go to Canada. That's the first step, right? It's going to be like small differences. It's going to be fairly similar, but at least it's somewhere new, not totally comfortable that you'll be fairly comfortable getting into like the foreign customs of, of another country and then you can sort of branch out yeah if my dad came to Canada I mean it's not gonna be too much of a shock compared to England right um, but if you go to yeah. I don't know Borneo from US yeah you, you're gonna be shell-shocked yeah it's baby steps for people you know I first started I know we're gonna talk about this was in Ireland but you know I Obviously, I firmly believe that everyone should travel it to some extent in their life because traveling in general really shapes who you are and can really help and heal you in so many different ways. But um, I don't, I definitely don't recommend people who have never traveled to go to like Myanmar for the first time or India yeah. for the first time oh, yeah. if you haven't yeah. gone to a place where you're a bit more familiar with, you know, just the way of living and stuff like that. Okay. I've got a question about that further on yeah. about that, the culture shock. And I want to hear what if you had one before. But before we get stuck into that, where did the travel bug, interest in travel, really come into the fore growing up? Yeah, I was recently asked this question of like, where did my wanderlust really stem from if I didn't grow up knowing about yeah. travel and didn't really experience it or wasn't exposed to it? Um, and honestly, it came from an internal desire to heal. And also at the same time, to escape what I was feeling inside too. And we hear that often with traveling is like people escape. Well, you know, go on an escape or escape away or like get away. But it's like, what are you actually escaping from? And that was where my feeling for travel was coming from. Um, so when I was in third year of university, I changed um, parts of the States and went back to um, the region where I'm from. So I lived in Chicago and I switched schools and I entered a hospitality and tourism program um, because I didn't, I was never someone who knew what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know what kind Same. of career path I wanted. I was mm -hmm. never really someone who was in, who knew exactly. I had interests and I could do a lot of different things. I have a lot of talents, but I had a full ride to art school because I am very artsy, but I turned it down because I was like, I don't want to be an artist. And <laughs> so I just didn't know. And when I was changing schools, I had a very short window of time to find a program or find a school to get into. And I was coming from a very big Arizona State University, going to a smaller private school in, in Chicago. And I came across this tourism and hospitality program. I was like, hey, travel sounds cool. I've heard of this thing called backpacking before, <laughs> you know, I'll check it out and see what, what it's all about. And it was in that program, I was very inspired. I learned a lot about the tourism industry. There's a lot of foreign exchange students in my class who talked about how many countries they've been to. My One of my main professors made a big imprint on my life and we're still friends to this day. And it just, I was just inspired. And I said to myself that very first day in that program, I was like, I'm gonna figure out a way to travel abroad. But at the same time, I was also a broke college student working <laughs> several jobs just to pay the bills in expensive Chicago, which is not even ex as expensive as it is now, but I was still paying quite a bit. And I 
I didn't have anyone to turn to you to help me with money or anything. My mom was having a lot of difficulties and which is why I moved back to my region because she was going through a divorce. So I didn't have anyone to turn to financially. So not only my living situation, I was like, how the heck am I going to travel abroad? And I changed my money mindset. And it was really through that, that I was able to save enough money when I graduated after two years. I had enough saved up that I could go to Europe and that was the catalyst. I thought I was going to go for a month and a half. I had planned. I bought one of those Eurorail uh, passes that I don't think they sell anymore. It was like a the 21 country Eurorail pass. Yeah. It was like the most expensive thing I bought at the time. <laughs> I think it was like $700, but I was like, okay, I'm going to go and do this. And I went to Ireland first and I thought I was going to come back and quote unquote, figure out my life and, you know, wasn't happy being in Chicago, even though there were so many opportunities, I didn't know what none of the jobs I learned about or that I heard about were of interest to me. So I was like, I don't want to just come back and work for a company or work for someone and, you know, stay in this a city that I didn't really want to stay in so much. And I just really wanted to figure out who I was and what I wanted out of life. And I didn't know travel was going to help me figure that out, but that was, I was like, Hey, I'll just go on this trip and, you know, come back. And then sure enough, I got bit by the travel bug. <laughs> That's awesome. There's a few points in there. I think if anyone's younger listening, I'm talking like, I don't know, late teenagers or early twenties, like mm -hmm. don't be threatened by the fact you don't know what to do. Cause I still don't no, know what, what I want to do. Know what, yeah. I always say you shouldn't know what yeah. you want to do. No I, idea. I shouldn't say that. Like there are people who know mm. since high school or something that they yeah, want to yeah. be a doctor or a teacher yeah. or a lawyer or a vet or something like specific. Totally understand that the age of 18, when you go into, or I mean, in the States here, 18, we go into college. And then at 22, we're done with college. At 22, you're still a baby. Yeah. Like We've been institutionalized our entire life, told where to go, what to do, how yeah. to think, what to learn and put in structure. And now we're quote unquote free. And people are like, crap, I've been told I have to figure out my life. And I don't know I don't know what I want to do. I learned about all this. I had pressure too. I was like, Hey, I have this expensive degree that my mom pay is paying for how, like, I don't want to do anything with it. And I still decided to follow my heart. So I always tell people just like, listen to your gut and do what you want to do. And it always work out in the end. You're going to learn something along the way. Yeah. And it's totally fine to not know what you want to do and just do jobs that you can do. You mentioned that you're quite skilled across different jobs. Same mm -hmm. as me that like I can do different types of jobs. Am I generally interested in them? Probably not, but I know it, it can fund a travel. It can fund to the next thing. So it's totally okay. If you're thinking right now that you want to travel, let's say you got to do an IT job for two years to get the money. That's fine. Just use that IT job for two years, get your skills up, have that in the bank and work towards yeah. something new. It's totally fine with that. And also that comes with your, also with your point about in college, having a plan. Uh, that's quite key. Cause I was kind of the same as you. I got to you institutionalize you get 17 oh what university do you want to go to what do you want to do i'm like i don't know i'm, I'm yeah. fairly good at music so I'll, I'll go and do music so i went and done that but halfway through the degree then i realized i wanted to travel right so then you have to put a plan in place and it's quite and you're from a rich background where you have money which we obviously not then you do have to put a plan in place like a realistic like okay i need a job save this money then i can go in two years time so that's a key point as well from what you just said about being okay, not knowing what you want to do, but also putting a plan in place to maybe go and travel. Yeah, definitely. I worked like five different jobs at once when I was mm. finishing university. 
Um, I filled my schedule with work because my goal was to save money and not spend my money anyways. Yeah. Um, so I was still full-time in school, finishing and working any job that I could find. Um, I did choose jobs that I did enjoy because they just happen to also be flexible. So I was doing everything from, so we're going to talk a little bit about my book, but I put all these different things that I did too, like nannying and babysitting, taking care of kids. I worked for like different online where they set up set you up with families. I worked in restaurants a lot. So all these different jobs that you do, you're always going to learn something anyways, whether it's what you like, what you don't like. I realized during those jobs that, you know, I didn't want to, for the rest of my life, be dictated with my schedule based on what someone else wants for me. I didn't want yeah. a boss to say, you must come in these days, or you can't go on a vacation these days. And I had experienced that. And I was like, in my life, I, I want to do what I want to do. <laughs> so I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur, but I did know in my heart that I don't, that doesn't make me happy doing that. So it all kind of has a full circle where you learn and realize different things as well. Yeah. Key point, key point. Cause I think if I had reflection period of that time, I want to travel, I do kind of wish I figured something out. Hindsight is a great thing, but if I figure something out that was remote, I'm talking about even though I could do computers and in, in brackets there. I mean, that's quite a broad subject, but if you're listening right now and you, you've got a skill and you can do something that's anywhere, doesn't, it's not location dependent. That really is a great skill to have if you want to travel uh, means long-term as well, because that can mm -hmm. get you abroad somewhere new, but also working whilst trying to figure something out. So that's another key skill that people can grasp that. Yeah, definitely. It's great that you said that you can do different types of jobs. Cause even if you travel, I'm sure we'll get onto this. Even if you're like, I don't know, backpacking in Southeast Asia and you want to work for accommodation, it could be like working in a bar, restaurant, those skills are coming handy as well. So it's great that you've got mm -hmm. that variety of jobs. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm grateful I work. It's like a joke in my family that I've worked literally every job you can think of. <laughs> um, I've sold newspapers. I've yeah. done, a, I've worked at like sports stadiums. I've worked at trade shows. I've done so many different things. They're all were fun to some degree, but you know, that's what helped me save my, my money for traveling and make it back when I was, you know, wanted to go on another trip and then also help me fund, um, my, my businesses when I bootstrap my own businesses and my savings is what I traveled on and started my business on without having to like oh, wow. work a different job while starting my business. So that's it amazing, bought me yeah. the sense of, of freedom in different senses. That's amazing. Yeah. I love hearing stories like that. If I see anything on social media, I share those immediately because it's love hearing like how people navigate from what you say is like the institutionalized way of growing up to being f kind of free and mm -hmm. doing those type of like jobs and schemes and businesses. That's great. Yeah, I do love sharing those sort of things. Okay. And before we get stuck into your, uh, I called it a decade of travel in the notes. I think you described as kind of the span of time where yeah. from most countries, is it okay to ask about um, a quite important subject in college? You did suffer some panic attacks and also slight bits of depression yeah. and how that maybe can affect your future going forward. Like how did you overcome that to go traveling? Yeah. So I've always struggled with, um, a generalized anxiety disorder and it got worse when I was in college because I was overworking myself because mm -hmm. I had a main goal in mind, but also working in the restaurant industry, I was in very 
high-end expensive restaurants in Chicago that were nuts of all hours. So I wasn't sleeping properly. I wasn't taking care of myself properly. Um, I didn't know how to say no to a shift. And um, I, you know, granted I made a lot of money, but at the same time I wasn't, you know, putting myself first. But so my anxiety was getting worse, but it was also the fact that I was, you know, had these pressures of like, I, school's finishing. What do I want to do? Where do I want to live? The city's so expensive, um, stuff like that. So I started suffering from some anxiety attacks during that time. And essentially I realized that this lifestyle, you know, it, it enough is enough. I made the money I need and I, you know, did have the goals in mind that I, and I reached. And now it's time for me to go and do what makes me truly happy, which is travel. So I was working for it and my gift to myself was to go and, you know, explore the world and to give myself time and grace to figure that all out. And so one of the reasons I was traveling was because I was struggling with really bad mental health and, you know, my, I was, my mind was going to dark places and I just couldn't see a positive future because there's just a lot at 22 years old that's being thrown at you. You know, mm. I can't imagine how how it is now at 22 with social media and everything too. That's insane. So, you know, but when I was 22, just finishing college, I needed some soul searching and I needed to figure out my life. And again, I didn't know that travel was going to be that my greatest like therapy, (laughs) but you know, I, I just decided to go on this trip and see what happens and fell in love with how it was helping me. And I mean, to this day, I still have anxiety, but it's nothing compared to what it was before. And my travels has helped me learn to cope and manage it. And also it taught me a lot about myself and my anxiety. So I knew how certain places would make me feel like if there was too many people around or, you know, too chaotic or too noisy of a city. And so I would always really go to places where there's bodies of water, um, where it's, I love quaint little non-touristy towns where I can just live like a local. <laughs> um, I, I like places where I'm not looked at or recognized, like despite being a TEDx talk and a, a speaker and a, running a business and my face being out there, I actually am a very introverted person. Yeah, who, talk about it. Yeah. I always say <laughs> if I had a superpower, I would t- turn invisible because I don't like attention. <laughs> and I had to learn to manage that because I'm a six foot tall girl from the States who stands out in several countries <laughs> around the world. So I had to learn to deal with the cultural differences of, you know, being looked at and stared at and stuff like that. And wasn't my favorite part of travel, but, you know, it helped me manage my anxiety and find, you know, ways to cope and stuff. It's like the lessons that you learn when you travel, right? I don't know when you must've traveled pre-smartphones, right? Cause I traveled first really yeah, pre-smartphone. Yeah. I, I don't want to harp on about it like too much because yeah. fairly long time ago, but that did make a difference. <laughs> Cause imagine you're traveling for the first time now with your smartphone. I just think it maybe wouldn't be as surprising for you. You might have seen like a reel on Instagram about Bangkok and like, oh yeah, I saw that. And it's just not as surprising. What will be surprising is the life skills you needed to navigate a place, right? And how to maybe barter in some Asian countries or try and figure out where to stay. So you do learn those lessons. But back when we traveled then, it was even more of a lesson in life really about, oh God, I have to do that. I need to do this. I need to say this. It's quite interesting. Yeah, but I'm a big believer in the way that travel used to be. 
because I was like that when I started traveling, I had a flip phone that didn't turn on for service. And yeah. I had a, I literally knocked on accommodation doors to see if they had a bed for me to sleep in. There was no booking.com. There was nothing, mm -hmm. uh, an app. It wasn't until my later, later years that I had some sort of navigation, but I still didn't really use any of that stuff. Um, until booking.com. And then I did um, book <laughs> accommodations because I was like, I had too many experiences being left out in the rain. Um, but all of all of that is a part of how transformative travel can be for you. Like being independent, figuring things out, learning navigation. There's so much research behind how these things can embark cognitive differences in your head, improve mm. your brain health, you know, your social skills, learning all these skills, but yet now everyone just turns to a phone and wonders why people lack all these other skills. Like, you know, travel can really do so much for us. So anytime I recommend to people, like ask someone for directions, ask people for recommendation. We don't have to turn to the internet for every single thing when it comes to travel. Travel's holistic. And there's so many different benefits if we go back to the roots of how we travel and why we travel. Yeah, absolutely right. I had a moment in Greece where I ran out of data. The phone is a big question. It's there to help, but I'm like, I can't use it all the time. Anyway, in Greece, I was driving from uh, ancient Corinth, well, Nathplio through Corinth to Athens, but my data ran out. This is on the last day. I was like, oh God, I can't even like research the road. I'm gonna have to figure out where I'm driving. And that is a scary thought, but then you sort of learn, oh, you just follow like traditionally the, the signs on the road. They tell you where to go. <laughs> and then when you get to the airport, reason. you have to like remember where you went and it was fine in the end. But that sort of like hour and a half, two hours where I could just log onto my phone or even stop and check it. That was a bit scary. I was like, oh, this is what it was like 10 years ago. Yeah, um, but you learn what you're capable of. Yeah, exactly. You learn yeah. what you yeah. are able to do or you learn to be resourceful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone turns to online for recommend recommendations for places, but honestly, the best places and how I navigated around these different countries for 10 years was I would ask the people in the bunk below me, where'd you just come from? And did yeah. you like it? Yeah. You know, like, where are you going to? Or where was your, like, where, what'd you do today? That's how I found these hidden gems and things that people ask for nowadays. More people, there was like a recent study that came out actually no it was like this uh conference from skift and it's their mega trends and travel for 2023 and something that one of the uh skift um editors was saying or the, might have, actually there's a skift ceo he was saying how now there are there's information out there in their research on how especially millennials are looking for more off the beaten path and places that their friends and fa family have never even heard of and that was like 70%. And it's about 90% in China of millennials and, and their mindset around travel. So if we're looking for these things, you know, Google's not going to have the answers of all these, like go mm. back to the the traditional talk to people and, and figure out, you know, have conversations, travel is about people in place, add people in there. <laughs> yeah. I think quality point, because I'm now thinking when I travel next, I want to go some places that I just don't know much about. I never ask recommendations. I think that kind of ruins the almost part of the fun of turning up and seeing what is to go and see and you know, your partner next to you or the person in the bunk bed opposite you will give you a recommendation that's worth more than put it on social media. But mm -hmm. I was thinking, oh, what are countries I don't hear much about? Where can I go that 
is not over commented about or written about. So that's kind of where I'm thinking at the minute. Yeah, because I'm a millennial, right? So I'm thinking, well, what's the offbeaten track? I don't want someone to tell me that. I want to go somewhere where I can find it. So that's kind of yeah. uh, where I'm at at the minute with travel. It's quite interesting. I wonder what the next generation are thinking, uh, one below us, uh, is it Gen Z? I do wonder what they're thinking in regards to travel uh, because they're still quite young. But yeah, I, don't, I think they might have a different mentality to millennials, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I think they're obviously very um, social media influenced on yeah. where they travel, um, which I have a whole different bone to pick with that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm curious to see how it goes. But I think that uh, with millennials kind of being in, having the experience that is both pre-technology and post-travel technology, I think we have a very unique perspective yeah. um, on the travel industry. And that's honestly what inspired my businesses and, and what helped me. So I'm so grateful for having traveled during those that that decade. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I talked to people about when I road tripped to Ukraine back in the day, 20, 2012, definitely pre-smartphones, five of us in the car. My friend who was a journalist did have the, one of the first iPhones. And this is, this is really hard to conveyed to people when I saw him in the car and he was like, okay, so we're going from London to Donetsk, right? Huge trip. He's like, okay, we're getting to Krakow. Let's try and book somewhere. And I was in mind, okay, we'll just turn up. And he says, now nah, I'll to go on my phone. And I, I just couldn't understand that he could go on his phone yeah. and research <laughs> on the internet, for someone to stay yeah. like, it was like alien to me. And that was only 2012 and two years later, I was well into it, you know, in 2014 when I bought a smartphone, yeah. but in that two year gap, the change was huge. And that was the gap I went traveling. Ukraine and after that kind of before I had a smartphone to in the same trip getting a smartphone and it totally changed yeah yeah definitely. big changes okay let's go into your decade of travel you said you booked a one-way ticket to Ireland you mentioned Ireland already was that on purpose or was that just the way it played out um there's a couple of reasons why I chose Ireland um one at the time my mom was dating someone who said he had a friend that lived in Ireland that he used to work with. So I thought it'd be a nice kind of cushion to be able to go and at least be with someone who's familiar. That was my very first time going anywhere by myself abroad. So at least I, I stayed with them for five days, I think. Um, a small family in Dundalk, um, Ireland, which is like more in inland. Mm -hmm. um, and then also I chose Ireland because I was trying to find a more affordable price that was also further west, so I can kind of work my way inland. Um, so some of the cheaper ones, which are still to this day, were um, like Brussels, Amsterdam, Berlin, and um, Dublin. So I was like, well, you know, Ireland is further west, so I'll I'll start there. I'll stay with the family, and then I'll work my way over. So that's kind of why I started with Ireland. Okay. And what did you make of it when you first landed? When I first landed, I could not believe I was in another country. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I just couldn't wrap my head. I was like, I can't believe I am not in the U.S. and I'm doing this. So um, I loved it. Ireland is very green and I am a very much a nature person. So I thought the cities were really cool and the people were very nice. Um, granted, this was so long ago, so I would love to go back and re-explore. Um, but I took a train all the way down the East Coast and then took a ferry over to France. So I got to see the beautiful scenery on the west, on the East Coast. So I'd love to go back to see the scenery on the West Coast. I hear the Cliffs of Moher are pretty. Um, the family took me up to the Giant's Causeway um, nice. at the North. 
So yeah. I got to see a lot of cool stuff. I really liked Ireland. Nice. And did you plan to always kind of stay there for, I don't know, it was a week or not, not too long before definitely moving on to somewhere new that maybe wasn't English speaking. Was that your idea? Maybe to go and test out a France, for example, where different language, different type oh, of culture. I didn't think of language mm -hmm. as going to be a barrier or something that I necessarily, I speak Spanish, but I don't speak any other language, mm. but I never really thought about would it be difficult or, you know, I'm also not really a language person where I want to learn all these different languages. <laughs> um, I'm not very great at remembering all of them. You think I'd be able to like know something in every language, um, <laughs> but I forget it all. No, that language didn't really have a, an impact on, on my travels. Okay. And for this Europe portion, how long was that in terms of time? Uh, that was a month and a half that I went first. Um, and that was just the Western Europe. Then I went back home and I realized I want to go somewhere. It was during the holidays when I came yeah. home. I came home for Christmas and I said, you know what? I kind of want to go somewhere tropical. So I repacked my bag and I went to Central America for two months, two and a half months. Um, wow. And then I just kept on going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before Central America in Europe, did you ever suffer any culture shock at that point? I don't think so. Um, I don't really remember any country really um, having culture shock per se, because I'm just a very open-minded and mm. accepting. And it's not saying that people that do experience it are not accepting. I'm just such a go with the flow that things don't really phase me that much. Um, I mean, it, language, I remember one time, my very first night in Paris, when I got off the, the ferry, I was just in awe that I was in Paris. And this, I all, had always heard about people backpacking Europe. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to have troubles finding an accommodation. Mm. And sure enough, it was like 11 o'clock at night and it was starting to get dark and I had nowhere to sleep. And I could not find anywhere that said hostel. And I thought people stayed in hostels. Yeah. And so I went into a hotel and the guy at the front desk, I said, is this a hostel or can you tell me where it is? And he's like, this is a hotel. Uh, it's a hostel. And I was like, no, it's a hotel. I need a hostel. He's like, this is a hotel. I'm like, no, it's too expensive. <laughs> I can't afford this. And so he got frustrated with me. So there was like language barriers yeah. with, with that, but I don't know if it was like a cultural thing or not that he just didn't know what I was trying to say. <laughs> so I found some very nice girl on, on the street, a younger girl, and she let me sleep in her mom's attic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. See, they, they always turn out all right. I don't know these stories normally. Yeah. There's always something around the corner. What were some of your maybe highlights of that one month and a half in Europe? Like what was some of the, maybe a city or a place or a few of the countries, what do you say was your favorites? Yeah. Someone that I went to high school with was volunteering for some organization and she saw that I was in that region and she said, oh, you should check out this country, Macedonia. I had never really heard of oh, it. And yeah. I was like, sure. I'll go there. Um, <laughs> she said, I, I stayed in this place called Lake Orid. So I made my way there and I fell in love with this little town and I didn't want to leave. I, I was going to stay for a couple of days and I stayed for like a little over a week. And Macedonia is like almost off the beaten track for Europe. Uh, even now yeah. people say, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, that's somewhere different. Yeah, definitely. I also remember like my first trip, I really liked Munich. It was during the winter time that I was there, but I remember Munich having some really cool architecture mm. that really stood out to me too. Um, it was just like, I don't know, Germany in the Christmas time is always just a really 
pretty place to be. Yeah, I think Germany all year is one of those countries that you can just go winter for the markets and it's really nice. And then summer, it's beautiful. Like it's an all year place, I think Germany. So it's an amazing place to go. I've not really done much of it criminally. Um, I need to go back. And just some logistics of your first trip. I think people are keen to hear if they're going on their first trip, what were your sort of like travel logistics in terms of like, you want to stay in hostels? Did you have a budget as well? Like, did you have, or was it all a learning process of just trying to work things out? Yeah, I, I had a budget in mind. I wasn't on a strict budget, but I was obviously trying to travel as cheap as I could. Yeah. I had a range in mind. I would look at my bank account and I said, if I'm getting close to this number, I'll think about, I'll reassess what I'm doing. And if I want to go home to go back to a job, I never worked while I traveled, mm-hmm. but, um, as I, like, I'll go home, maybe I'll make some more money. But so that first trip I did go, get the Euro world pass. Yeah. I stayed in hostels. I just found hostels along the way that I, both cities were easy to find hostels. Mm-hmm. France or Paris, I just had tr- troubles. Um, there's many signs for hostels, but I would meet people on trains or on buses. Um, and they would tell me where they stayed or something. Or also I had, um, the books, um, the uh, the travel books that I would find in the different hostels. Uh, so I would then yeah. look in it and I would um, use it for a certain country and then leave it and then find a different one or use someone else's and they would have all the different hostel um, recommendations in it. I love staying in hostels. Hostels get a really bad rap because of the movie, but Yes, there's some really crummy ones out there, but there's also some really incredible ones too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You'd be amazed by how affordable or cheap they are. Like I've stayed in hostels where they're like, yeah, pay us whatever you want. And I stayed like in yeah. a castle one time and they're like, pay whatever you feel <laughs> like paying today. I'm like, okay. One of the biggest impacts that hostels had was the people I met. Yeah. The am- amount of friends that I made in hostels that I still keep in contact with and I visited them in their home country or they, let me stay with their friend in a different country or we, you know, they, we just helped each other in different ways, but this is the community around it. And that's something that I think a lot of people who stay just in hotels or Airbnbs or private accommodations really miss out on because part of travel is getting to meet people and share stories and understand different perspectives and hostels are great, um, you know, for that. Yeah. I was going to say that, how did you find the hostels, but you mentioned you had the books. So I guess they had the details. Yeah, I, I forgot that I had the books back then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously people's recommendations as well. That's key. That's what I found when I traveled that. No, no, go stay there. I thought, okay, go and speak to this person. Okay, I can do that. And it's a real yeah. like cool time to travel. Unfortunately, I think hostels are Greece as an example, um, even Europe, they're starting to become a little bit expensive in terms of the price of an Airbnb. So when you get like a couple who are probably going to stay in a private dorm normally in a hostel and meet people and they weigh up, oh, but an Airbnb apartment is like cheaper. That's a problem. Yeah, it depends. It depends on what you feel like doing too. So there's definitely times that I, I stayed in a private accommodations or I stayed in, you know, a separate um, private thing. It depended on the price of the place. It depended on my mood. It depended on, you know, a lot of different things too. Yeah. So it's not that I only think you should stay in hostels and I definitely didn't. I've, you know, I've stayed in hotels and stuff too. Everywhere is so different around the world of yeah. what they offer and what the prices are. Yeah. That's a valid point. So you came back from your Europe trip and obviously you want to go again, which I, I definitely had that same feeling as well. How did you come up with a plan to fund your next travel adventures? Well, people, that's a misconception that a lot of people think is like, because I traveled to like traveled abroad that I just went until I ran out of money and then I would come home. 
I never would let myself run out of money. I oh, had okay. my mom also to take care of financially. Like I just never was going to get myself in a pickle where I had no money and I had to like, I don't know, you know, I, that I wasn't happy. I would manage my bank account and my savings. And I would say, oh, if it's at this certain amount, then like I said, I'll reassess things. Mm. Um, I always made sure I had a cushion of some sort. So when it got too close to what I wanted to spend, then I would go back home. I also wanted to go back home to see my mom too, or maybe it was the holidays or something. And I worked various flexible, flexible jobs that also knew that I traveled. So whether a lot of them I would work for when I came back and other ones, I would just find other ones. I made money in so many different ways, ranging from selling used furniture online that I found at the trash cans to <laughs> selling some of my paintings to babysitting or working for my mom's friends. Yeah. Um, I just made and saved money. And then I was like, okay, I can go for my next trip. Very interesting. Cause I think a lot of people would assume and maybe I assumed as well that you would travel until you ran out of money. I mean, that's what I did for a few times, which is quite stressful. Um, but it's quite <laughs> it is stressful. That's why <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to do it to myself. But it's refreshing to hear that you had actually a bit more of a grown-up plan of no, I'll go to a certain point in terms of time and money, and then I can go home and not be stressed out that I have to work. But you did work and made more money and then kind of kept it going. So that's quite cool to hear. So you mentioned Central America was your next trip. I was gonna ask out of these sort of decade of travel, three or four countries, maybe we can touch on what would maybe be the first country out of your maybe 84 that we've not mentioned that would you'd like to mention? It's always a tough question, but I always give the answer of Thailand. And I know Thailand is a very like general backpacker answer, but I really loved Thailand. I lived there for several months for a couple of times in different regions. Mm -hmm. um, Bangkok is not my favorite. So <laughs> that's not why I love Thailand. But old Phuket town is a, a town that I accidentally booked at and didn't realize I was staying there until I got there. And then I was like, where am I? And I fell in love and didn't want to leave. And yeah. actually I actually had my mom and her friends come explore it with me. But everything from the culture to the price to the food, um, you know, how affordable it, like everything, the nature, the beaches, just the spirituality, a lot of stuff. I just really loved Thailand a lot. So I kept gravitating back towards it. Um, and one of my more recent ones uh, in 2019, I was in um, Israel and Tel Aviv, and I actually really enjoyed the city. I didn't know what to expect, but, you know, I know they say Tel Aviv is like a a whole different country within Israel, yeah. but I did explore outside of Tel Aviv. I met <laughs> some people and we traveled around. Tel Aviv was really great. It was, it's a city that was still familiar. It was kind of like a San Francisco vibe, San Diego vibe to it, but yet it's still culture and, and religion and food is amazing. And it's, just, it's a younger crowd there. Everyone's at the beach. It's a very wellness uh, centered destination they're mm -hmm. like the the biggest wellness tech hub in the world oh, wow. um so everyone has this like healthy lifestyle and I just really liked it okay and for thailand you explored i guess you went back a few times like the whole country what maybe because thailand is written about a lot and it's known about a lot and i love thailand as well but maybe like three things there that maybe you wouldn't maybe necessarily read or hear about that maybe your favorites or maybe what you call hidden gems yeah, like I said, um, old Phuket town is somewhere that I really loved. Um, Phuket is kind of like a little island. Um, mm. And 
there's different parts of it. And I thought I was going to a different part of Phuket. And when I booked this accommodation and it took me down there, um, it's like a little colonial town with colorful buildings and it's quaint and it's like artsy and it's not touristy. And then I discovered that you can take um, a tuk-tuk and they tell you the name of the beaches at the top of the tuk-tuk and you just get off 50 for 50 cents, you get off at the beach. Yeah. And then I thought I was going to one beach and guess how we passed it. And it was the end of the ride. And the driver's like, what are you doing on the truck still? And I'm like, <laughs> going to this beach. And he's like, yeah, that was like way back there. So he's like, this beach is nice. Just go here. So I like fell in love with this other beach that I magically found. <laughs> so um, I definitely um, really liked liked there. Oh, and there's this another place. Oh my goodness. The name is escaping me, but I crossed the border from another country and we were on a truck and the people on the truck with me were like, oh, we're going to the airport. This little airport was in this little town. And I had no idea where I was going in Thailand at this time. And it was getting late and they're like, well, we booked this room in this place. Maybe there's a room for you too. And this was like far off the path of mm-hmm. like Phuket and Bangkok and stuff. And I went in and they had a hotel and it was a first time in a while that I had like a private room with a TV, a big bed, <laughs> air conditioning, everything. There wasn't much in town, but it was like a nice refresher. There's just these little, Chiang Mai is a great place. They have some yeah. of the best outdoor markets as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's something that Thailand I love is their, their Sunday markets, their night markets. You got to come hungry because there's so much to try. I know. And it's the best way to eat, I think, in Thailand. Oh my gosh, it's so cheap. There's so much. That old Phuket town that I was saying, they have a, a wonderful night market too, but they're all over the place. Yeah, I think me and my friend landed in Bangkok, jet lagged, and I was pretty culture shocked with Bangkok. I was like, whoa, what is this place? But we took a wander Bangkok down the street. Bangkok is like a yeah. whole other country within Thailand. <laughs> but I love it there. Nice. I do love it there. I do love it. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we found this like random market off the street and had a green curry and that was amazing. Central America, you mentioned as well all the americas as you speak spanish like how was that in terms of traveling because that covers a spanish covers a lot of countries where you can navigate pretty easily but yeah for someone like myself who didn't know spanish i had to learn on the road like i was in yeah. argentina and like then chile trying to learn spanish but how did you find navigating through the, the americas and what some of the countries there that are your favorites well i started in costa rica and then i made my way down i went to nicaragua honduras guatemala belize that was all at the time i mean speaking spanish for me made it so much easier central america at that time when i did go was not as touristy especially like costa rica so i always say that you know, people are often afraid to travel because they're like, well, I don't speak the language. That should never be a hindrance to why you travel yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Because I always say tourism is one of the biggest economic generators for countries all around the world. Mm-hmm. And when you think about who travels most, it's going to be people from the States, Canadians, Western Europeans, like Germans, um, Australians, Australians. Yeah. and they all speak English. Yeah. So yeah. Most likely you're going to find someone somewhere who speaks at least a little bit of English around the world. So at the time, it was easier for me to navigate South uh, Central America because I speak Spanish. But I mean, I met other people who didn't speak Spanish and they were just as happy and just as fine to get around <laughs> to. But also in Central America, too, there's so many like small like surf towns and little towns where people 
from other states would have businesses. So they would speak English as well. Got it. I remember three months Southeast Asia and arrived back to Auckland, New Zealand. That was three months of like the first ever travel I've done outside of English speaking countries and landing in Auckland on a bus and they just tell you, oh yeah, it costs this much and you can go on. It's a bit of a relief in the end because three months of bartering, trying to work stuff out, it does get a bit tiring, mm. especially if you don't speak any of the languages because you're trying to work things out all the time. Oh, it does. It takes a mental toll sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I've been in countries, I tend to travel to countries that were not very touristy. I spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia, mostly. Um, I've been to a lot of places and many people don't even know where they are on a map. I just prefer those. Um, but within a lot of those countries, when it comes to culture, they are just known for like bargaining. And sometimes I'm like, just give me a price and I'll pay it. Like, <laughs> But at the same time, I'm on a budget. So I'm like, I'm not paying that price. Like, so... I learned to shop around and compare prices. So, but after a while it does get, I'm like, I just need to go back home where I can just like a price is a price and that's all. Yeah. So I'm not going to get ripped off. And like, there's just things you have to think about because it's just, you know, how they have, you know, how countries run tourism. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. Uh, I've got some questions about your travels in terms of, uh, I won't say the, the, like logistics, but more like about feelings about traveling. So first I've got, you mentioned before the travel community, like how did you find that? Because I felt like I found almost my people a little bit to an extent. I was like, oh, wow, people are doing this, like the same as that I want to do it. Whereas like mm -hmm. where I'm from, I don't know if you experienced this where you're from, no one wants to go and backpack for six months. Yeah. Like, it's very rare to find someone and even anyone who's done it. So you can't even compare stories. So how did you find the travel community in these different areas of the world? They were mostly just hostels hostels is where I found it because I didn't yeah. have anyone in my hometown to travel with or talk about travel or anything like that um so it was hostels is where I met people or it was you know on the beach and there's people nearby or it's yeah. on the bus um you know I took a lot of night buses or long over or like long buses and um you know any time I had a chance where I could like meet someone or something like that I would spark conversation and that's really where I met my community of people until I started my own travel touch network which is a whole different global community people connect in other ways that way too okay and you mentioned you traveled solo so what are some lessons that you learned oh gosh what did I not learn traveling solo <laughs> I always say that travel was my greatest professor um and you know traveling solo one of the main things traveling did it it just shaped me into who I am today and what what I want for my life it give, gave me the perspectives that I had on other culture and people and the compassion and the empathy I have for humans um, and animals. And it inspired me for my business ideas by learning about the industry and getting to understand, you know, why people travel and what it does for people. And then, um, you know, it, it built lifelong memories for my mom and I together and it created experiences that impacted me that I'll carry for a lifetime um and it really just it added a lot to who I am like everything from like recycling to you know I, I've been to the slums of Mumbai mm -hmm. and saw where a lot of the recyclables go that are packaged from different countries and one little person sitting in the corner hunched over separating by color I'm like so if I see someone throw something recycling that doesn't belong yeah. there, I'm like, 
you don't even know. So it's just so small things like that too. So it taught me what matters in life and what doesn't matter. It taught me material things don't matter. Some of the happiest people around the world have very little material things. Um, you know, it, it taught me to have gratitude for what I do have and also what I, you know, show me what I want in life as well. And what I find value in other countries that they have and in their culture and everything too, that I wish that we had here in the States. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it also helped me become someone who inspires my friends and family to be better as well. Yeah, they're all key lessons, aren't they, that you do learn? Oh, absolutely. I didn't say how you can fail to learn them, really. I mean, unless you travel sheltered, which is quite hard, like hotels and maybe don't meet people. Yeah, that's quite a key lesson that I've learned from traveling. And it's also going to lead us nicely into the Travel Coach Network. Um, that you now run how did traveling first of all made you realize oh, okay this is something that I want to go into in terms of a career but also trying to help people how did that integrate itself yeah so since I graduated with a degree in hospitality and tourism management in 2010 I was not I was very underwhelmed by the career options at the time yeah. um yes there were a lot of different choices especially living in a big touristy city like Chicago but none of them really aligned with what I felt was right for me. And so for a lot of the, almost the 10 years traveling, I still struggled to figure out my career path. I knew I didn't want to be certain things. I didn't want to be a travel agent with my anxiety. I didn't like having responsibility for someone else's itinerary yeah. and, <laughs> and what could go wrong and stuff. It just never interested me. Of course, I had experience doing it for friends and family, but I'm not much of a writer. Despite having a book, I don't really enjoy it. And I didn't want to be a travel writer. So all these different jobs I heard about that the industry said, if you like travel, you have to be working a hotel, be a flight attendant, be a travel agent or whatever it might be. I'm like, no, you know, but what else? Like, if I don't like any of those, what else can I do? We'll get paid to travel for business. Yeah, I've already met a lot of business travelers who are envious of me and my journey and don't get to do any of that. So now what else can I do? So for so long, the industry said, you know, with the rise of social media and technology, I learned a lot of things and saw a lot of things in the industry for jobs, but still none of them aligned. So I, I said to myself, and again, I said in the beginning of this interview, I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur because I didn't find what I was looking for. And now I felt like I had to create what, Ever it is I think I'm looking for. And when I, I gave myself grace and said, by the time I'm 30, I'll, I'll wait till I'm 30. When I'm 30, I'll quote unquote, figure out like, <laughs> my career path. And sure enough, 30 came around and I was in the North of Spain. And I, first time I ever brought a laptop, a small laptop with me and I opened it up and I was like, okay, uh, how would you start an online business? Or what online businesses do people do or make money online? And I was just Googling all these things. And I came across the coaching industry was really booming. I was like, wow, this is like, there's a lot of different types of coaches out there. I never thought of that before. And I said, that's it. I want to be a travel coach. I didn't see it anywhere. I didn't hear it anywhere. I didn't care that I didn't see or hear it anywhere. In my heart, I was like, kind of combines everything that I've been trying to look for. And so I was like, well, what do I want to want to do as a travel coach? And my, my passion was helping companies. I wanted companies to realize the value that travel has mm. because I saw problems in the industry while I was traveling of people quitting the nine to five to travel, quitting the corporate job to travel. Yeah. And I said, well, this is a, a problem for companies. Like, don't they care? Mm. Like, um, I saw people, the, the burnout 
epidemic that was happening in the workplace and people just starting to travel. And I was like, well, if people are turning to travel, why are companies not paying attention to it? So I just started researching for a couple of years. I dove into research on corporate wellness and the wellness benefits of travel that led me into like the business travel burnout epidemic that was happening and all these different things. And I built my wellness travel coaching business to target um, companies of different sorts. But then at the same time, I had, when I started talking about wellness travel coaching, I had other people online reaching out who were like, oh, what is travel coaching? I might be interested. I might be already doing that. I didn't have a place to send them to because I was kind of figuring and building it my own. Not saying I was the first one to do travel coaching, but all I had found, I didn't actually Google it. I didn't Google travel coaching until after I registered my business and someone I kept getting a couple questions about travel coaching. I was like, hey, like, I'm sure they would have gone to Google first before messaging me. So let me go to Google and see what comes up. And the majority of what came up were travel coach buses. And there was a couple, I remember there was like an article from 2010, because at the time it was 2018. And there was an article about like the potential growth of travel coaching. Um, And just, there was a couple of people, um, but it was mostly like travel agents also saying travel coach on their websites. Yeah. But that didn't stop me. And I, and it clicked and I said, I'm going to create a, um, a place, a platform for travel coaches to learn how to become one and grow and build their own business that aligns with what they're looking for in their life. Just like what I am doing for my own, because I struggled for so long to figure out my career path in travel. And that's, that was kind of the catalyst in 2018 and 2019 to both my wellness travel coaching and also the travel coach network. Right. So how do you go into business and help them with the travel aspect? Do you advise like in terms of like maybe offering, I really don't know much about it. So is it like sabbaticals or is it like paid leave? Is it trying to encourage teams to go and travel together and work remotely somewhere? Like how would you go in and help those businesses? Yeah. So I do a couple different things because they're the companies all do something differently. So yeah. when it comes to corporate wellness, what I do, I'm more on the education side of things. I'm more of the consulting side of things um, than the actual travel coach. Um, I want to make more of a uh, it be the in, person that makes the impact in, across the companies um, versus the facilitator of the travel coach. And that's why I uh, built the travel coach network. Um, but what I do is for corporate wellness is help them figure out what does their vacation policy look like? Mm -hmm. What does their company culture look like centered around um, travel and vacations? What do they offer? Whether it's sabbaticals. Um, Now that remote work is on the rise, there's a lot of talk with companies trying to um, up-level their team engagement and company culture and keep people connected that are dispersed around the world. And then business travel, I've paved um, my path in the business travel industry. Um, and just like there was a burnout epidemic happening in the workplace, there was also a burnout epidemic happening in the business traveler industry that were among their, their road warriors, which are people who I guess they define who take more than 12 trips a a year. They were traveling so much that they were having, you know, all these medical issues and mental health issues and, you know, burnout and all this different stuff. So I was diving into this research and realized all of this. Um, so I take what I do for corporate wellness and apply it towards business travel and give different tips and education on how they can choose certain suppliers to like hotels to put their people at 
um, or what kind of tips can their business travelers do, like taking a walk by a body of water, by taking a break by being outdoors, um, you know, if they have time to volunteer in the local community, different stuff by immersing them in the location. Um, and then as I grew my business, I have a lot of different other types of tourism and hospitality companies reaching out like hotels who are looking to think outside the box with wellness experiences. Because oh, yeah. my belief is always that wellness travel stems far beyond um, gyms, yoga retreats, wellness centers, and yeah. spas. Yeah. Um, I have a lot more of a holistic approach to travel <laughs> wellness. Um, and also what I've been focusing a lot in now too is helping shift the marketing around tourism and hospitality companies that speaks directly to the needs of the travelers versus the generalized, personalized, customized, transformative experiences, which they all slap on their websites, but don't have much meaning behind that isn't any different than what has been done in the past before. Um, so it's really just reshaping how travel is used and viewed and more of a tool to help us drive in our various aspects of our life and professional life versus just a vacation with the logistics of an itinerary. Got it. Very interesting. Cause I noticed or first saw travel wellness in my first job in Australia, and this is 2013. And this person um, who owned the company was focusing on wellness as being a big priority for the business. So what should make sure is that there'd be a PT person come in twice a week that take us down to Albert Park in Melbourne and, you know, do a workout and get together and sort of team bonding would make sure there'd be someone on hand to speak to if anyone at work needs to talk to someone. I was like, wow, like, what is this? I never experienced this before. And that was 2013. And ultimately she ended up uh, setting that business and then setting up a wellness travel company in, in Australia and Melbourne. So that's the first time I saw it and I couldn't believe it. They actually want to look after you at work, which is quite unheard of back in well, 10 years ago now. So what does the travel coach network do in terms of part of your business? Yeah. So essentially there are two separate businesses. Um, as a wellness travel coaching consultant, I focus a lot in the corporate space, but then I built the travel coach network at the same time as what I was building my wellness travel coaching business. And I built it because I wanted to be able to educate, empower, inspire, and guide other travel lovers, travel experts to build their dream travel-related business, whether they wanted to be a travel coach on its own or they wanted to combine travel coaching with their current role, whether they're a life coach, travel agent. The list is growing. I'm learning more and more what people want to combine yeah. travel with um, through my network. But I started with um, what was just called the Travel Coach Program, and I combined you know, of course, the coaching aspect with the business aspect with how to combine your passion for travel and all of there. And then I think it was three years ago, I got it accredited through uh, the International Coach Federation, which was quite a difficult process. Um, so now it's the world's first and only accredited ICF program for travel coaching that's recognized internationally. Oh, and wow. of course, how it has evolved over the years is now the best program that I truly believe I can put together because not only did my business and my knowledge grow and evolve over time, and I provide everything that I learned and know to my network, but, but the industry is in a really interesting place right now 
where there's different and more creative and meaningful things to think about. So it really aligns with a perfect time for people to start integrating this sort of approach to their travel business. Um, and the Travel Coach Network has grown into just a global community of travel um, experts of all different sorts of niches and interests and backgrounds and experiences online that really inspire me every day as well. Oh, that's awesome. So someone like me, for example, who I've said I think twice this podcast, I don't know what I'm doing in terms of career. But I would like to combine travel with something, but I don't know what that something is. So would that would would I be like a perfect example of maybe like coming on to one of your courses or the course to even learn about what potentially I could do going forward to combine travel and the business aspect to try and make a career out of it? Is that sort of the target audience? Yeah, a lot of people start from complete scratch who know mm. that they have a passion for travel and yeah. um, you know, a certain interest and skills in travel. Um and we just go through this assessment and these uh, coaching sessions where, um, you know, essentially I'm your business coach to figure out, help you figure out, like, what does that look like for you? What do you really want to do? What impact do you want to make? Who do you really want to help? What do you really care about? Um, and sometimes people ha know right away because they're like, yeah. well, I really like life coaching aspect and helping people one-on-one. -on -one. I always say just because it's a coaching program where you're you know, coaches in the name does not mean that you have to do one-on-one -on -one sessions or group coaching sessions. You can really build your business in any structure that you you dream of. I have people who combine it with running retreats. I obviously am in the corporate space and I do a lot of help in different ways for companies. I create digital products. There's a bunch of different revenue streams you can create in your business. It's more, you have to identify what do you want to do? How do you want to structure your business? How do you want to make money? How do you want to serve people? But a lot of times people don't really know where do I start? Who do yeah. I serve? What do I do? And that's what we all do through the program too. Yeah, that's key. Because for me, the travel part is easy. The hard part is how can I combine it with something to make it last longer and make a business out of it? That's the, for me personally, that's the tough question that I don't know the answer mm -hmm. to. Yeah, and that's okay. It takes time. <laughs> and what I always say to people who don't really know, one of my favorite things to do, um, because this helped me a lot, was... What I say, do your research, whether it's a certain industry that you think you're interested in. Like when I started, when I noticed a problem in the industry of people quitting their corporate job and I dove into research on what are companies doing, I fell in love with that, that whole concept. But if you do your research by reading articles and watching webinars in the travel related space or any industry you might be interested in, if you can find a void, a problem, a, sh a shortage in it, then that could be your aha moment. You can either do something better than someone's already done, or you can create, fill a void where there's a void that exists. Um, and that's kind of what I've done as a wellness travel coach, because in the wellness space, the wellness travel industry is built on the spa industry. So anything around wellness tourism was talked about gyms and spas and Pelotons in the rooms and aromatherapy in the bathtub and all this stuff that I don't really care about. <laughs> and I backed that by research on how travel can be well, uh, help people improve their well-being, and 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 ran with that. So you have to start with like, what do you believe in? What do you want people to know and believe in? Um, and what kind of problems or voids do you see that you can fill? Um, if and that's around if you are not really sure what what um what you want to do yet. Awesome, great advice. Okay, and one quick question, which maybe is an interesting question: COVID, did that kind of help you in a way? Because you know the work culture changed, right? That's the biggest change that I've seen in my lifetime. The fact that you think back to pre-COVID and you were saying to people, yeah, maybe you can work at home one day a week. That seemed like a huge thing back in the day. 
but now it's like the norm where you work full-time at home so was that a big change in how you saw your business developing yeah COVID actually really helped both of my businesses (laughs) a lot um I you know was never really busier than 2020 and it really kind of was the catalyst to everything that I'm doing now um and you know, I know a lot of travel related businesses or almost all of them really struggle during that time, but I developed business models and, and ideas that were untraditional mm-hmm. to the tourism industry or non-traditional. So when it came to the Travel Coach Network, that was a time, the pandemic was a time where people wanted to invest in education. So they also had a lot of time on their hands to yeah. take programs and, and research and stuff like that. But also travel agents and a lot of travel professionals um, or people who were working for a travel company who no longer had work or weren't very busy had time to rethink their values of what they were doing before. Even though they were in the travel space because they love it, they either fell into it because they felt like the industry said it's the only thing that is an option. I So they came into the Travel Coach Network and that's where I saw a huge influx of travel agents and travel advisors come in too. Um, but then on the, the other side of my corporate side is um, in wellness travel coaching, concepts like wellness, sustainability, all of these were catapulted to the forefront of what companies now say they care about. Yeah. And that's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole thing of remote work, which I already knew was hap- going to happen in the, in the space, is now something that companies are trying to figure out how do they make this, you know, longevity in mm-hmm. their company. It really helped the travel and tourism and hospitality space in general, despite, you know, all the negative things that happened in it and at that time. If it didn't happen, things like transform transformation through travel or this new holistic approach to wellness travel or a regenerative tourism or responsible tourism or sustainable tourism, all of these topics would be like a slug, like dragging behind because that's what was happening pre-pandemic. I was in the wellness travel space, in the business travel space. And they were like, yeah, "Yeah, wellness, sure. Maybe (laughs) we know we have a burnout, but you know, we'll see what happens. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Fast forward, you know, pandemic happens and everyone's like, yep, wellness, great. Let's go. So it's like, it lit a fire under these really important topics that people cared about the whole time, but corporations didn't. Yeah. So now there's more opportunity and more creativity and more innovation and more thinking outside the box. And that those years also companies, business owners, um, CEOs, all of these executives had time to listen to what other people were saying and talking about. So it was a really great time to just get your message out there. And so because of all of that, it really helped my business. Yeah, I think corporations were, I would argue, a bit scared because for the first time, the employee gets a say now. Well, okay, I'll go to this company because they offer this wellness perspective. They can say no now, whereas before maybe they're a bit stuck. But now there's more choice. Like if, if you've got companies adopting this approach and they're offering you a better package for, for the same job, and you've got a corporation that doesn't change. And I think a lot of people are going to go, well, do you know what? I'm going to go over there. And that's a big mm-hmm. shift in mentality yeah. in business, I think. Yeah, absolutely. People have more choices than ever before. Yeah. Um, and not only in what job to work for, but how to spend their time and 
um, how they make money. So there's more opportunity to make money online than ever before. And yeah. that's not going to go away. True. Um, so these are all things that companies need to think about. They think that remote work was like a temporary thing that <laughs> people, you know, wanted for a little bit, but I was like, that was happening pre pandemic. And mm. now people who thought it was so far out of reach for them had a taste of it and they're not going to go back or they're going to have some sort of hybrid of it. It's just something that, you know, there's a reason why we're struggling with a, this great resignation where companies are struggling yeah. to get people back to the workplace because, you know, give people a taste of flexibility and freedom. <laughs> and, you know, there was a, an article as well that came out that showed that when it comes to tourism, that millennial, this is the same one about the millennials, the millennials are caring less about material things and more about experiences and how they spend their time and where they choose to go um, and how long they travel for. So it's very true. Traveler behavior has changed and the industry has changed and the world has changed and humanity has changed. So companies, whether they're tourism and hospitality or they're just companies in general, need to start, you know, looking at the bottom line a little bit differently and looking at what value and investment really mean. Yeah, absolutely right. You're true, true, true. And did that lead for you? Because you've been in multiple uh, platforms and publications, right? You've been seen in Forbes, Business Insider, Travel Weekly, uh, Condé Nast Traveler, et cetera. So that, did that lead towards you doing the TEDx talk? Um, Yeah, kind of. I, yeah, I've been in over 130 something different publications because very early on in my business, I knew that I had two ideas, travel coaching and my approach to wellness travel that we're going to need more of a voice and an amplifier to help mm -hmm. me um, get that message out there and to establish credibility. Um, so I learned very early on how to pitch to the media and how to land media opportunities and how Love to spread my, my message. Um, so it's also a very fun way to, you know, <laughs> run your business and, and, you know, interviews and even podcasts like this, it's just like a fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, but when it came to leading to my TED talk, of course, any credibility helps you in general, but having pitched to the media and been in different articles and given different um, parts of my perspectives and stories and ideas, that all helped me shape what I was going to talk about in my TED talk and got me to um, think deeper and more strategic about it. Because I actually pitched to TEDx like two, I think in 2018. 2019 2019 um and obviously it was crickets so <laughs> i am really glad that i got turned down then because the messaging that i have now not that my yes. messaging has changed but my strategy on who i'm trying to reach and why i'm doing a tedx is very different from what i my message or what i would have done back then or what i would have talked about back then and so I always, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. <laughs> um, so um, that with like research and just, you know, I knew I was going to give a TEDx at some point um, in my, my career path, but then just putting yourself out there and, you know, doing the research on who to reach out to and what events are being held and where and everything too. I pitched to a couple different locations and it happened to be that I was connected in the one in my hometown, which worked out. And what was the subject that you mainly talked about in your TEDx talk? Yeah, the the theme for their event was community. So there was so many different talks on a wide range of um, ideas on community. Um, but for me, I was obviously going to make it travel related. So my my 
subject was how embracing travel can help build happier and more united communities, both in and outside of the workplace. Okay. And that can be found, I guess, on YouTube or their TEDx yep, um, website as well. Yeah, it's on, it's, um, it's on my website and it's also my website, saharrosetravels.com. It's on that one. Um, and it's on YouTube in their TEDx. So you can just put in Sahara Rose TEDx. My quick question about TEDx is how do you get onto TEDx? So you, you do pitch to them with an idea of what mm -hmm. to speak about. Yep. Yep. So, um, I came across their website that said what the theme was and the date was. And so I pitched the idea. Um, I, I don't remember if they had, I don't think I have, a, they didn't have a form. I would just send it to the contact um, mm -hmm. of what my structure of it would be. And I didn't hear back for a really long time. So I was like, yeah, I for sure did not get it. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, and then sure enough, one day I had the, the email. Wow. Okay. And, and what was the experience like actually very quickly about getting up on stage and talking? Like, how did you find that? Well, I speak a lot already around the nation um, for different associations. So I speak a lot for the Global Business Travel Association. I speak for ProcureCon. I speak virtually for a lot of events um, on stage for different events. Um, I host a lot of events myself, so I'm pretty used to it. It wasn't that it was a presentation and the stage. It was just the fact that it was a TEDx that yeah. was more nerve wracking than anything. <laughs> yeah, it's a name, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the final thing we're going to talk about before we get to where we can find you on social media, websites, et cetera, is your book. Hey, you just go. So this is a book. Maybe we can get to know you and about your travels that you mentioned 84 countries. So is it essentially a travel book in terms of what you experience on the road? Um, so my, Hey, you just go, I was a, one of the very first things I did in business in general was write that was because I had a lot of people asking me how I was able to travel, what tips I have, you mm -hmm. know, everything, everything from safety to my favorite websites to my um, strategy on how to travel on a budget, just yeah. everything. I put every single thing I did into that book. Um, and then I also added a coaching aspect too of, you know, the mindset around traveling or traveling solo or traveling abroad or navigating different languages kind of addresses a lot of these fears and worries and concerns that a lot of travelers have. Also, I give a lot of tips on, you know, what kind of different ideas to make money, um, to save up. I do, even though I never worked while traveling, I give different tips on different options to travel and make money on there. Um, it, the idea for my book actually stemmed, I used to have a blog, it's just still up, but I haven't touched it in a while, <laughs> but one of my, um, I used to, I started the blog, just to let my mom know I was live in different countries because this is before <laughs> I, this is when we still had to pay like money to use a computer in an accommodation or something. So, um, I didn't have a smartphone to like message her or something. Um, <laughs> And so I started a blog to share my stories. I was checking the blog analytics and I noticed that two posts were doing a lot better than all my others. And one was called how to travel the world when you can't afford it. And the other was how to travel the world on a budget or something like that. So they're mm -hmm. very related and the analytics were like far more than the others. And so I just took that framework and I just expanded upon it and turned it into my book. Wow. And it's obviously available across all. It's on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll find that and I'll put that as a link in the show notes so people can access that. I'll give it a read as well. I love reading books from my guests because it's, uh, I feel like they're my people. So I want to see what you're going to say. Okay. And where can we find yourself for your businesses 
and also in terms of websites and social medias? Yeah, so if you want to follow the Travel Coach Network, um, you can find us on all platforms. So the Travel Coach Network um, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, you can find us at thetravelcoachnetwork.com. I, as my wellness travel coaching consulting, I'm at saharrosetravels.com. And Instagram and Facebook, you can find me at Sahara Rose the Travel Coach. TikTok as well. Those are our main platforms. Cool. And I'll put links on there. You're also on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. So if anyone's kind of like, I run my corporate business off of LinkedIn usually. So I'm on LinkedIn, Sahara Rose DeBoer on there. I did read somewhere that that's quite key actually for, I was reading something about podcasts and they're like, oh, put, you know, put stuff on LinkedIn. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess so. I have a LinkedIn. I don't use it that much. Yeah. yeah I built my whole wellness travel coaching business to what it is now based off my LinkedIn. Wow. So okay. I didn't have a website up until a couple of years ago and I don't even really use it or I don't even know if people are going to it. So it's just all of my stuff is on LinkedIn wow. um, for my corporate side, my relationships, my um, opportunities. A lot of things are on there. Great. Good tip. Okay. Awesome. I'll put all the links in the show notes. So people can access those. So we're going to finish the episode with my quick fire travel questions. They're okay. going your favorite things. There's a fun thing to do at the end of the episode, uh, based on your travel. So you travel to a lot of countries. That's great. So I'm going to ask maybe some tough questions for you. Actually, I'm going to ask first. Hey, yeah. Just a quick one. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with TeePublic, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcast, and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time. Your favorite three countries that you travel to? Um, so I mentioned a couple of them already. So um, Thailand and Israel, and then um, the Philippines. Nice. Okay. And three countries that you've not traveled to that's on your hit list. Antarctica, the Maldives, and Tasmania. Oh, nice. Okay. What about top three favorite cuisines or foods that you've experienced on your travels? In I don't know the names of them, but in the Philippines, there's this like pastry that's flaky and it sounds really weird, but it has like some sort of Parmesan cheese or something on top and <laughs> yeah. it's crystallized and it wow. has like cream on the inside. It's so good. Thailand, and this is not really cuisine, but I love their um, iced coffees with the con- sweet and condensed milk that oh, they make yeah. on the streets <laughs> yeah. for like a dollar. Yeah. Um, they're so good. And then also one of my favorite things, honestly, about traveling is the amount of fresh fruit around the world. So I am obsessed with um, smoothies when I travel, if mm-hmm. um, like when I'm in Southeast Asia. And so when I go to Bali in particular, there's always like the most amazing, cheap, um, fresh fruits. Okay. Uh, do you drink coffee? Yeah. Okay. So you can have one city in the world to drink a coffee and watch the world go by. Where are you going to sit? Um, I would do that in a place I find super interesting actually of like just people watching is in um in Vietnam 
in um, Ho Chi Minh City. Oh, wow. Yeah. The amount of things that people do and how <laughs> chaotic the city can be. That's an interesting place just to sit back and watch. <laughs> okay. And do you have like a, a favorite coffee in terms of like a country? Like is a, a country's coffee that's your favorite? Honestly, probably Thailand because it's sweet. I like coffee, but I don't like like the of coffee <laughs> you like so the sugar. <laughs> i need i need sugar and i need cream and milk i need stuff in it <laughs> okay that's, that's good it's interesting what about a country that you travel to that's been the best value for the dollar like where has it gone the furthest literally like thailand thailand you could it takes a lot to spend money there um like it's just so cheap for and, and bali as well like mm. indonesia in general like you can live off of like $10 a day in these countries with food and everything too. Okay. And what about three favorite cities worldwide that you experienced? Let's see, I really liked Cusco. Peru oh, a one of my favorites. City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you're not dying from walking uphill in high elevation all the time, all <laughs> it's a pretty enjoyable city. Yeah. Um, another really cool city, like I said, Del Tel Aviv, I think is very underrated. Yeah by tourist um that's a cool city and oh i was in Bariloche in the southern part of uh, the patagonian region of argentina yeah and that is stunning down there with the mountains and yeah. the lake everything too that's amazing love to go down there okay what is the most unique country do you think you traveled to probably myanmar Burma. oh yeah 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 that's quite unique okay and what about a favorite landmark can be nature or man-made the skyline in New Zealand in Auckland is oh yeah yeah we took a yeah. boat to an island and you can see the skyline and just being like super cool with the architecture and the the building where people bungee jump or jump off or yeah yeah, yeah. jump yeah. off of it whatever yeah. that is okay that's cool and yeah that's your favorite lake I don't think anyone has ever heard of this but it's called Inlay Lake Inlay Lake in um in Myanmar and yeah. it's yeah. a very small dirt town. And um, they have this beautiful lake where you, I think it literally cost me like $3 for the whole day. I had this private um, canoe, this guy <laughs> like canoed me around, um, but you wake up at sunrise and you go on the lake and it you can't see the difference between where the lake meets the sky because it's like one giant Whoa. sunset color and it's just so calm and pristine. And there are men who are on these skinny long boats and they wear these orange jumpsuits and they carry these like umbrella shaped nets and it's iconic and people go to take pictures and stuff um and they're just on the lake so they paddled me around and I got to visit the villages that are on stilts and you go in there and they have different shops of different sorts and stuff too um of things they make but I thought that that's a really cool lake okay interesting what about one view that you could only see for the rest of time that's hard it honestly would probably just be my two options are a beach a beach person i'm i'm an aquarius i am drawn to water i love <laughs> it but also a lake with the mountains um where like the mountains reflect on the lake mm -hmm. and i don't know if that's just more my artistic view that loves it but i like if you picture like banff uh canada where it's like yeah. reflecting so i've always Unreal. gone is where I can go and see so I just love that scenery okay any travel plans this year um my travel plans now are just mostly domestic travel for 
um, speaking. And I do have some in mind, maybe London and stuff for some um, conferences, mm-hmm. but um, I'm getting married this year. So we're planning oh. on doing Italy. So yeah. maybe Italy will be in there. <laughs> That's how busy we are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The final question, which I didn't ask earlier, because I thought I'd save it to the end is there's two pronged to it. So what is the purpose of travel? And also if you could give a few lines as to why someone right now listening, who's maybe a bit nervous about to go travel or doesn't know how to like, why should they make the leap and go and travel the world? Yeah. Well, the purpose of travel really is to help you define who you are and live the life that you want to have just because of all the different things it can bring for you. Um, and why someone should take the leap and go and travel is because you just never know how you're going to be transformed or impacted on a trip. And all it takes is sometimes one trip to meet a certain person, to hear a certain story, to see a certain site, to have a certain experience that could be the catalyst to either you, your life changing, your idea for a business, like anything can happen and you just never know. So the world is just too small to stay in one place. And I think the more that you travel, then the more well-rounded and more um, enriching your life can be. That is a great way to finish the episode. So Sahara Rose, thanks for coming on. I've learned a lot and I generally mean this. I think what you're doing in terms of your business, combining travel with a certain aspect of business and that combination is something that I'm definitely looking into and you are someone that I will be following very closely and we'll probably even contact you about the next steps even taking your courses or whatever it is um, because I do think that's the next step for me so thanks so much for coming on sharing what you're up to in terms of your travel and your business and getting to know you it's been great yeah likewise well thank you so much for having me thanks so much thank you thank you for listening to my winging it travel podcast episode today you can find me on instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel Podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels And there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe. Stay humble. Keep listening. Keep traveling. And I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.